So, vanity of vanities. It's an interesting text, Ecclesiastes, in our scriptures. Vanity of vanities, the way the Hebrew is constructed is like king of kings or chief of chiefs. It's the most chiefiest, the most kingiest, the most vain-est in this case. Most vain, most fleeting. And interestingly, the, the word for fleeting here is really vapor or breath and is the same word that's used to name Abel. So the same cognate as the name of Abel. And it appears 39 times. Kind of like 39 articles. 39 times that we come across vanity in Ecclesiastes. And so we begin Ecclesiastes, which we will revisit this week and into next week, Kohelet, the preacher. And so we are here now in the third week of the semester and of the year. Mountains of work and of activity. A certain relentlessness that begins to unfold and press a fleeting, but not seemingly so fleeting, anxiety as a habit upon us. And at a certain point in the year, we can begin to question the purpose of it all. Why in the world are we reading all of this? Why in the world are we doing all of these things? Why in the world do I have to grade all these papers? Ecclesiastes is in some ways a dangerous book. It's important in inclusion in the canon, don't get me wrong. It's, in some ways, it's the closest to that Buddhist sensibility of the emptying of our expectations and our attachments that we have in the, in the Christian scriptures and in the Hebrew scriptures. It's, it takes us on an apathetic and kenotic turn where we are forced to give up that which we think is important as we read and hear the words. It schools us in emptying ourselves of attachments and thereby points us to God's ultimate sovereignty and actually equally our entire lack of sovereignty in this created order and our lack of control. But it can be dangerous because alongside our reading of Ecclesiastes and our hearing of this text, we can collect and allow certain attitudes to emerge as we recite the text. Vanity of vanities. Or vanity of vanities. Snideness can come alongside this recitation as we look at the world. Or cynicism. Or a superiority of seeing the way others don't see. Or an acquiescence, a passivity, a meh attitude. These are some of the dangers of reading this text, and so it, like Song of Songs, is reserved for when people are a bit older to encounter the text. But here we are in the third week. And when we can ask ourselves as we hear this text, the sun rising and then returning to the place where it 
rose again after setting, the water flowing and never filling, the endless cycle of being, kind of feel of things. Are we, are we tempted in our work and study to see all of this merely as vanities? Goethe picked this up when he wrote Faust, and we first encounter Faust after God and the devil have a little conversation, just like at the beginning of Job, and God says, have you seen Faust? And Job, or at end up, and Mephisto uh, sets out a bargain, or a, 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 a deal, a bet with God about Faust, just like in Job, except the lure is not to pull away from God as in Job with suffering, but to lure Faust away with opportunity and dazzle and grandeur. So we meet Faust and he says in his opening lines, I have, alas, studied philosophy. Jurisprudence and medicine too, and worst of all, theology. With keen endeavor through and through, and here I am for all my lore, the wretched fool I was before, called master of arts and doctor to boot. For 10 years, almost, I confute up and down, wherever it goes, I drag my students by the nose and see that for all our science and art, we can know nothing. It burns my heart. This kind of read of the spirit of Ecclesiastes can take hold of us as we scan and read our lives. Oh, this is relentless, and oh, this is pointless, and oh, this is leading, and why am I investing my time? But the reality is, when we do this, we add our own vanities of habit-forming interpretation of our circumstances to the fleeting nature of life. Those very attitudes of snideness, cynicism, superiority, or acquiescence can become just as much a repetition, a thoughtless vanity as everything else. They become part of the vanities. So then we come to Herod's disturbance today in his vanity of what he perceived as a controlled world that he held tightly together. Oh, another prophet, another day, another prophet, another beheading. And here Herod is disturbed because he hears of things of this one who is doing remarkable and saying remarkable things, and he's perplexed. That disturbance is worth paying attention to. And it may not feel good, but that is perhaps the foment in which we will encounter the God who is always recreating, always stirring, always resurrecting. There is something new under the sun. So, as we go forward through the rest of this year, and as we face into the wind and the, of the, of the, amount of work ahead and the amount of activity. I hope we can pray for that openness 
to see and openness to receive that which God is doing, which is new, even in the midst of what seems relentless and repeating. Alongside openness is a faithfulness in this moment to that very stream of fleeting moments that are passing by. Let me be fully in this moment. As a Buddhist monk said to the Zen master, why in this wheel of becoming do I, we continue to wash our dishes and read these books and whatnot in the world of suffering when this doesn't make any difference? What do we do about that? And the Zen master turned to the monk and said, we wash our dishes and we read and we meditate. That faithfulness in the moment alongside with a readiness, watchfulness, and openness to see the new that emerges is perhaps the most correct reading of Ecclesiastes and is what is actually behind Herod's question. Who is this? What is going on?